Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster my and welcome to Spotlight. I'm Sarah Hendy and on today's programme we visit the creatives of the Cared Collective and artist Laura Espinosa at Grenaby Open Studios and the Christmas Art Crawl. Plus local novelist Rona Holsall pops into the studio to tell us about her latest book, Love You Gone. like to come along and talk to us about what you do creatively or if you know something you think we ought to know about give me a shout on spotlight at manxradio.com or alternatively message the manx radio facebook page we're at arbury parish hall first today with some of the lovely creatives of the cared collective who set up a pop-up shop there last week as part of grenaby open studios then we'll head so to Grania, the house every of time we see the cared collective you're in a different location and it's crawl. so exciting that you're getting all around the island the way you are yeah we've decided to come down south because we haven't really done a lot here for a while and then um, we're quite we're five minutes from grenaby and we're all friends with grenaby so it's nice to to be close by it's it's lovely it, like you say it's just a hop skip and a jump from Grenaby Studios and all of the lovely creatives up there and it's also exciting because although um, you guys have been working together for like we remember your Christmas shop last year the pop-up that was kind of like the beginning of things um, up in Onken every time we come down there are new products that you, you seem to really be inspiring people and um, and sort of like helping push each other creatively yeah yeah that's what it's all about you know it's there's no point six of us struggling on our own when we could all join forces and join all our collective knowledge and resources together and just put on really nice events because events are really stressful enough as it is (laughs) on top of running your own business and getting the stock ready so it just takes the pressure off it makes it a heap of fun and then you end up just meeting like-minded people so there's no downside to this it's brilliant it's so true. Yeah. and i mean there's uh, there's a lovely crowd of people here now you've also got some um musicians performing for you this afternoon as well yes we have got the lovely rhiannon today and she is about to play very soon actually and she sounds beautiful i believe she was at um the Great Manx Shindig. We've got Mr. Flo with us today and uh, he's been uh, serving us up tea and cake so it's nice to nice to have all friends coming back because they both know each other very well but this is the first time I've heard her and I love it. (laughs) Well I'll let you get back because it's busy in here so I won't keep you from your lovely stall of crocheted goods but um, but well done to you what a lovely event thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And we're moving over now to um, Jenny James and the Reap What You Sow stall. Jenny, I spotted on social media not long ago your fabulous sequin espadrille. Sequins are uh, tricky to deal with at the best of times. How on earth do you make a pair of shoes out of them? I'm not going to lie, it was difficult and messy, uh, but it had to be done. Fabric source from Sweet Ginger Emporium in Ramsey. Um, so I prepped my partner, I said, prepare yourself. This is going to be messy, and it was. And my little dog had sequins all over her face, and she's running around and sparkling. And um, no one's purchased them just yet, but they're a bold choice. Um, but I'm very pleased with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they're inspiring, and like you say, for the brave. Um, but you've got such a lovely collection of work here, and it's um, it's really lovely that uh, people will have heard you talk on Women's Day as well about um, the charity work that you do as well. You put your skills to rather special um, use. Ah, yes, of course. Uh, so I am currently the uh, sewing specialist and team leader of the Isle of Man Days for Girls team. 
so we help to make reusable fabric sanitary wear um, to distribute in developing countries to women and girls who don't have any um, and provide the education along with that so they're properly informed about feminine hygiene and keeping themselves safe and healthy. Uh, at the moment we're just getting started but we've got a great little team um, working really hard and we've had some really generous donations from various church groups and it's going really well and we encourage if anyone wants to get involved you're very welcome to it's Isle of Man Days for Girls um, on Facebook Well, Laura Espinosa, here we are at the House of Mananan. It's a lovely Sunday afternoon and um, the some German handbell ringers are giving <laughs> us a lovely tune in the background there. Um, you've got a gorgeous display of really vibrant um, pictures. You're, you're an illustrator and a mural artist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I've been doing murals for about six months, something like that. And I absolutely love it. I did a few commissions uh, recently and it's really starting to take off. So yeah, just looking for more, more commissions and um, interesting things that push me out of my comfort zone. Absolutely love it. Yeah, do you know, um, it's just occurred to me, I saw pictures of a mural you've done in a little girl called Holly's bedroom. Um, and it's just gorgeous. It's like a magical kind of woodland you're painting there. A lot of your work is quite sort of ethereal and um, maybe even spiritual in a way. It's, quite, it's, a, it's a really vivid appreciation of nature. Um, absolutely, it really is. I think my work does have a spiritual thread flowing through it and I absolutely adore nature and I'm also trying to really um, share with people my joy of nature and just make them feel inspired and I like to make sort of comforting and uplifting images that make people happy so that's basically where I'm coming from. Um, but yeah that's right, I'm doing Holly's Muir at the moment and that's really fun, just started and it's just going to encompass everything that a little girl could wish for. So there's like a fairy tree with a fairy door, fairies sleeping in the trees, and there's also a unicorn, and there's a Bavarian-style castle and a little um, fairy village. So it's absolute joy to do. So really loving that one. Wow, she's a lucky little girl. That sounds like a magical place to go to sleep. Um, and you... you I mean, you're open to, to working with people on commissions that, that fit, their, fit their specification. I don't know, help, helping people to realise something that's maybe a picture in their head. Um, yeah, that's, that's the fun of it, really. So um, you're literally, uh, when somebody asks for something, then you, you know, a picture comes into my head and you're literally um, coming up with something different every time. So it's never going to be boring. And yeah, just coming up with something that's completely original and bespoke for them is really special. So yeah, that's why the job is so fun. I'm absolutely loving it. <laughs> I'm sure. And let's um, outdoor murals is something that's really taking off on the Isle of Man. There, you know, several artists who are putting work out there and brightening up the streets around us. Yeah, it's like the Isle of Man starting to get a little bit more, a um, little bit more bohemian, and uh, people are really enjoying it. It's a little bit less serious and. 
I think it's really good for bringing people together as well, bringing the community together. I haven't done an outside mural yet, but I'd love to have a, an outside project. So maybe when it gets a little bit warmer, that sounds like something I'd like to do. <laughs> Amazing. And you also work on a much smaller scale. I mean, we've got a lot of your, your images here. You're, you're an illustrator as well, and you've illustrated um, a few books now. Yeah, I did my own book um, that some people might remember, You Can Be, and that was three years ago. And since that, um, I've illustrated two books for a lady, Maggie Robinson, um, a fairy book and a book about a Manx cat. And I absolutely loved that. And I'd really like, if anybody's got a book that needs illustrating um, for next year, I'd love another book project. There's nothing like bringing a story to life. Um, so, yeah, I'd be really keen to do something like that next year as well. Now, these events may be over, but you can still get in touch with any of the creatives featured here today by going to the Spotlight blog on the Manx Radio website, where you'll find all of the appropriate links. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. We're now joined by island-based author Rona Halsall, who has just released her second novel, Love You Gone. She's here to tell us more about the book and also her experience of the writing and publishing process. Thrillers, I think, are one of the um, the pillar genres at the moment. It's, it's a genre that has taken off over the last five years or so, I would say. And um, I never set out to write psychological thrillers. So it's been a surprise to me, really, that I can actually write them. I've always loved reading them, but I thought... I would never be able to do the twisty plots. I didn't think it was in me to be patient enough to do that. And my first attempt at a novel was actually um, a romance. But um, then I found out you had to be romantic to actually write a successful romance. But it did get me started. It, I got to the end of the book. I did lots of editing. I, I learned an awful lot about writing during that process so I think I see that as my apprenticeship in a way um, you know the years that I put into that um, and I also pitched it to agents and um, <clears throat> it was that process that actually led me to where I am now so it was actually you've got to have a bit of failure before you can get to your success it's just like a step along the way yeah, sort of find out what you don't want to do to help you figure out yeah, what it is you and, do and want to do. Yeah, and for other people to feedback criticism, because I think when you're in the arts, um, criticism is the only way you learn about what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. So you've got to learn how to accept criticism um, and to take it on board and use it to improve what you're doing. Um, and it was feedback from a literary agent at that early stages that really helped me to um, get my second book going and mm-hmm. and then it all went on from there. Yeah. Um, so the the first sort of psychological crime thriller that you yeah. released was in August. Um, at what, why August? Why why have we we discovered your novels at this stage? What got you into writing and what was the process like leading up to you um, being a novelist? I think the launch date is just a bit arbitrary, really. It was just the publisher's um, schedule. Um, So getting to that stage, it's quite a long, laborious process, to be honest, because you've got to have your book written. So I wrote my second book. I sent it to um, an agent that I'd met at Manx Lit Fest. So without Manx Lit Fest, I don't think I would actually be where I am now um, it was a, it's been a fabulous help 
Um, so she liked my writing, but she said, well, I don't think the story's quite there. But she said, I think your writing voice is perfect for a psychological thriller because it was, it was more like a, a mystery, I suppose. It was quite gentle. Um, so then, so then I had to go a bit more hardcore with it, <laughs> get a bit nastier, <laughs> um, take out all the, the like sloppy bits. And, uh, I found I really enjoyed it. You know, once I, once I started to believe that I could do it, um, I really enjoyed the process and it was so, so great to have someone to bounce it off who knew what they were doing, who would say, oh no, I don't think that's not quite working and have you thought about this and maybe that voice isn't quite right. And um, so I worked with this agent on the book and then when it was finished, she said to me, she said, you know what, I don't think it's for me. So we'd spent about a year working on it and uh, it was like the rug had been pulled out from under me. But she said, I do think it'll get published. I do think you'll get an agent. But she said, I've got to feel passionately about it for me to take it on. So that was a bit of a, a, that was a, bit of a crisis. Mm. Um, and she said, it also needs just something else just to lift it up to the next level. Um, so I had a chat with my daughter who was at uni. And, I, and she'd read it. And, uh, and I'd said to her, I need to find something else. And so she talked to her housemates and she came back to me. And she says, oh, mum, we've had a really good idea. Why don't you do this? And I thought, yes, that is it. That's exactly what I need to do. So I went back and added these extra bits in. Sent it off to the same agent who came back and said, yeah, that's a lot better. But still, no, nah, it's not for me. But then I thought, right, well, I'll just send it out to some other people. And there was a particular agent who I really wanted to work with because I, they had a lot of authors that I admired. Um, so I sent it out to them on a Friday lunchtime. Um, and then we, we went out in the afternoon. I came back about three o'clock and I had an email waiting for me saying, oh, we really like your synopsis. Can you send us the whole manuscript, please? We think it's great. And... Um, and then that was it and then the, the agent read it and um, came back and said yes we'd, we'd like to work with you mm. um, so that was that was in May last year May June time last year and then um, they have an editor in house so they said oh we need to tighten it up I thought what on earth does that mean <laughs> what does that mean what it means is just have an, have a real close look at the storyline and make sure you're being consistent with the characters, make sure all the motivations are clear, make sure the pacing is right. You know, so it's it's really going through it in a with a fine tooth comb and looking at where it could be tweaked to make it a little bit better. The kind of detail you have to provide when you're writing a novel. It's so much easier to write about the familiar. This must have yes. taken you to some very unfamiliar territory. Oh, yes. But thank goodness for YouTube. That's all I can say. <laughs> There's an awful lot on. There were, I found documentaries. I found um, about a particular... Pri I had a prison in mind um, but just because of the location of where I'd set part of the story. Um, and I knew there was a women's prison there, so I, I sort of based it on that. And I found lots of pictures of what it looked like inside, so I could describe it properly and the grounds and everything. Um, I found documentaries on 
what it was like to be a prisoner in there, what sort of issues the women had, the problems with the prison, where it was falling down. Um, so I could build all that into my story and I, I could be you know, pretty sure that it was based on fact. It is a work of fiction, so it's not completely based on, you know, I did make some things <laughs> up yeah. about the prison, but yeah. it really helped me to get a mental image. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, and have you have you always written, or is this something that you've sort of got into in the last few years? Well, I always enjoyed writing. You know, at school, I used to write stories and poems. I was the kid that did other people's English homework, you know, because it wasn't that big a deal for me. I just enjoyed doing it. Um, but then, and then as I got older, um, I ended up somehow. Um, in business and um, I was a business advisor for small businesses so I wrote a lot of business plans and strategies and grant applications and that sort of thing so it was it's all writing um, but not creative writing I think when my children were little there was no room in my head for creative writing there was there was hardly any room for reading to be honest but then when they became teenagers and um, I felt I had a bit more space, and that's so. When I got to fifty, that's when I said, "Right, this is it. This is I'm going to do it now." <laughs> wow! And I bet you're glad you did. Um, oh because, yes. oh, yeah, what yeah. a success! Um, and when it comes to sort of developing your characters or um, or your storylines, what inspires you? And I don't know. Do you take any inspiration from the people or the landscapes around you, or um, experiences you've had or heard of? It's a whole mixture of things, really. A whole mixture of things. The first book, um, the idea came... I was living in Wales at the time. My husband's Manx. Um, I was living in Wales, and he came over to Wales. Uh, so we were based there. But we still came over here on a regular basis. Um, so we spent a lot of time on the ferry. And um, I just had the idea for the opening scene in my second book set on the the sitting on the on the deck of the Ben McCree I could just visualize it all really clearly and then I just I just said to myself and I I knew it was about a woman who'd been separated from a baby um so then I was saying well why is she separated from a baby what's what's happened here And and it was just a question of asking why and what if this happened and what if that happened and I built the story like that so my first book I wrote it it just evolved. Uh, but I learned the hard way that really the best way to write is to plan it before you write it because otherwise you've got a heck of a lot of editing, mm-hmm. you know, to make everything fit together. And, um, yeah, that was a good lesson learned, I think. So now I plan. I'm getting better at planning each book. I'm getting better at it. But it sounds almost as though um, you're allowing the story to tell itself to you. Like a vast, way it just comes from questions. a little nugget of an idea or an image. Really, when I'm writing, what I'm doing is describing what I'm seeing in my mind. So it's like there's a movie playing out and I'm just writing down what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, but if I can't see that movie, then I, I've got to wait until it, till it comes. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's quite a strange thing, really. Sometimes you get to a point and a story can go like one of three ways and you're thinking, well, I'm really not sure now which way to take it. Even though I might have a plan and I've decided which way to take it, it might be that I have a strong feeling that that's, that's not really what the character's... It's not where it's leading to. Um, so then I have to, you know, I have to have a bit of time out then and um, just see if I can visualise how those three options could work out and which one I'm finding the easiest to yeah. see through. And do you? It sounds like you must have days where you can't see the movie that's playing in your head. How do you deal with those if you were planning to write? Well, I make myself do it. I make myself write. At the moment, I'm writing my third book. And I've set myself a deadline and um, I've been doing it. There's a, there's a national writer novel in a month. It goes on in November every year. So I'm using that to write this because you've got other people doing the same thing. You can spur each other on. So I've managed to do 60,000 words now wow. in November. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So another two days, I'm, I'm hoping to get up to 65 um, but I found for myself the way to get through those patches is to just keep writing. You know, even though it's rubbish, it doesn't matter because it'll lead you onto something that isn't rubbish. And then you can you go back and edit it later. So the process I've found works for me is to get a first draft done really quickly because then the whole story stays in your mind. If you have gaps between it, you lose sight of elements of your storyline, particularly for a psychological thriller where you've got lots of twists and turns and you've really got to keep the momentum going. Otherwise, you've got to go back and then reread it to remind yourself of what's going on. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so let's stay on top of it. Um, yeah. And what does, a, what does a day of writing look like for you? Oh, there's a lot of messing about. <laughs> Procrastination, yeah, essential element of writing. I've, I mean, most as a lot of people think, oh, you sit down in the morning and you write. Well, I, I can't do that. I've got to get all my messing about out of the way. So mornings are for getting any jobs I've got to do. Do them in the morning. Do the social media. Check my Amazon rankings. Obviously, you can't do anything until you've done that. <laughs> you get obsessed with it. So get all of that faffing about out of the way and then I find after lunch, that's it. And I think really what's happening is my mind is just working out what I'm doing next in my story and it's just like rumbling away at the back of my mind while I'm doing all this other stuff. And then I know that after lunch I'm going to sit down and do it. Mm -hmm. So I will, I'll sit down and do a couple of hours in the afternoon Then I'll take the dogs out just have a give myself a mental break and then I might do a little bit in the evening mm -hmm. but there's only so much writing you can actually do in a day mm -hmm. yeah um yeah I mean that's absolutely true do you have do you have a dedicated writing space I have a little corner <laughs> yeah. I have a little corner of the dining room <laughs> Um, is it just like a desk or a corner it of the is. table or it's a it's a desk a computer it's where all the admin stuff is. I'm surrounded by paper. It's not It's not really a creative space at all, but it's my little space. I've got my whiteboards where I can put up, you know, what I'm doing with my story because one thing I found is I, I forget what I've called my characters <laughs> and how old they are and what they look like. So I've got like a little list of all the names and <laughs> everything on there. 
yeah. Surnames, I'm really bad at forgetting surnames. And then halfway through, I've called them something else. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> oh, dear. Um, and what are the tools that you use? Do you prefer to write on a computer or do you like good old-fashioned pen and paper? I <clears throat> My process now is when I'm just starting on a new story, I have a notebook and that's where all the ideas go. That's why I try to work out where I'm going with it. Um, I sort out the character arcs. What the, just to try and get the essence of the story really, really clear. And you can only do that by exploring different elements. So I, I do that in a notebook. I probably have a notebook for every, every um, book that I do. So that's full of all my scribblings. And, and it's amazing how a story idea evolves from the beginning to when it actually gets written you know it's completely different now if you were if you were just writing you know as you went along there'd be a heck of a lot of editing there wouldn't there because yeah. by the time you got to the end of your story you'd be thinking right I've got to go back to the beginning yeah. and change it all so I do all of that in the notebook and then when I've got um now I'm with a publisher I work with an editor um and so this time round because um, I've got a contract for two more books now, wow. um, which will be coming out next year. Um, what we're, the way we've done it this time is I wrote synopses for... We, I had a few ideas and we narrowed it down to two that she liked. Um, and then I worked those up into more detailed outlines so that she could go through it and say, yeah, well, that's good, but how about this in here and maybe that needs to happen and that doesn't quite make sense so we could iron out quite a few bumps when it was just like a six page outline rather than me doing the first draft and then her saying it and me having to like reconstruct the whole thing so mm. I have a feeling with this next book it's going to be a much more streamlined process mm. you know it's, but it's all part of learning how to be how to be an author really yeah it's available to buy in a number of outlets. Where can we get hold of a copy? Um, well, it's available as an ebook on um, Amazon and Apple Books and Kobo and Google Play. And um, it's a paperback on Amazon and you can buy it from Bridge Bookshop in Ramsey and Port Erin. And so we find ourselves at the end of another programme. I'll be back next Wednesday at half past five. But in the meantime, you can subscribe to Spotlight in the form of a weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Or you can listen again or download Spotlight from the Manx Radio smartphone app or website. Thanks for joining me. Have a lovely creative week. Slen you.